Yo, this is Conan. You're listening to World of Wrestling Podcast with Tax and Rich. Boom. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the World of Wrestling Podcast. My name is Rich, and as always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Tax Williams. Hey, buddy. How you doing? I'm good, man. It's been a tasking few days. Been back and forth to Manchester with the kid and such, but, you know, had a really lovely time visiting family, so... Yeah. Um, busy bank holiday weekend. I managed to take in some wrestling nice. this weekend. What did you go and see? I saw WrestleForce at the country show at Quex Park. Nice. I know Quex Park. I've done like events there yeah. and stuff with my job. I didn't know they had wrestling there. They they don't normally. As part of this, <laughs> okay. this show, they were there for the weekend. And unlike the last bank holiday weekend where I found some generic wrestling company with a ring that you wouldn't want to bump in for shit. <laughs> okay. Um, WrestleForce, considering the temperatures that it was this weekend in it's the UK. It's been stinking hot. We've been on plus 40 across the board. Like, it's been hot here. The work rate of the lads at WrestlingForce, my God, they went for it. Nice. But it was getting to the point where ring announcers were having to sit on the ring ropes because the canvas was that hot for them <laughs> to stand on it. So the fact that the lads put on such a great show. And um, I spoke to... Um, Ollie Peace, who runs the promotion as well, really nice guy. Um, good product. Check it out online. Um, WrestleForce. Cool. Sounds like fun, man. Yeah. Anyone on the card we know, or just kind of a lot of British indie workers? Um, British indie workers. The the chap who I I knew from who was actually on the show is a chap who's come down some SCPW shows and he trains up at Hustle. A chap called Rob Aim. Okay. Um, so he was there. And yeah, look, good showing for everyone. Sounds good, man. I sat there eating some noodles when my daughter slept under a tree in the shade, and I was like, "This is the best bank holiday." <laughs> <laughs> It could definitely be worse. <laughs> yeah. Um. How about yourself? Have you been? Uh. Before we delve into what we're doing for the next few weeks, how how has your wrestling consumption been? Uh, a busy bank holiday weekend. Not as much as I'd like to be because we've been up in Manchester doing work as well as visiting family. So, been very very busy. Uh, I've also been editing music videos and such. So it's yeah. just been. I did a sixteen hour editing shift the day before we left. So it's been a bit intense. Uh, I've watched some New Japan while kind of doing my cardio and such, ready for episode fifty. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> Keep sneaking in every week. <laughs> Like with little teasers, you know, <laughs> because that means we've got to do it. Sure, sure. I'm still not finished the G1 yet. Okay. So I'm just kind of slowly like trolling my way through all the G1, like um, just the tournament matches. Uh, and I'm up to Kazushika, Okada, and Sanada. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that tonight. It's going to be good. But the, the uh, little clip you sent me of Moxley. Losing for the first losing time. Losing for the first time in his three-legged race. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Yellow Toro is one of the greatest characters in pro wrestling. You can win. He can be anybody with any amounts of bullshit. And it's like, oh, okay, fine. There you go. It is a real shame that Royal Quest tickets were so expensive because that card's yeah. actually starting to look quite tasty now. Um, I think it looks a little house showy. Like, knowing New Japan, like, I think there's going to be lots of predictable finishes. They might give us one or two shocks here and there. But what's but, nice um, about it, there's no Rev Pro. Yeah. Yeah, it's sure. properly New Japan. And don't get me wrong, like the Rev Pro, when they've got their association with it, I know obviously yeah. the Rev Pro belt, um, Zach's going to be probably defending it. Against Tanner, yeah. Yeah. Which, again, in itself, Zach versus Tanner. Yeah. That would be rubbish, wouldn't it? The thing with, with those two guys <laughs> is that they've been they've exchanged victories so evenly as well that it's genuinely, we don't know who's going to win. Yeah. But, th- but that Saturday, I'm also working a full day uh, as well as the New Japan show. There's the NXT Cardiff show as well. Yeah. And this happens to be the problem of the North London Derby, my friend. <laughs> and all out. <laughs> and all out. All in one day. It's pretty crazy. So what I'm going to say is I'm going to watch no wrestling and probably just hide from football. <laughs> <laughs> with my new obviously we don't have cameras now but we now have enough money in the kitty we've bought ourselves new mic stands yeah new mic stands now so uh, we're a bit more comfortable than we used to be anyway so today we are starting a new trilogy that was voted on by our listeners on twitter 
Thank you very much for everyone that voted. It got very, very close to being a draw. Thank you to whoever voted with like six minutes to go <laughs> to make sure it wasn't a draw. <laughs> sure. Good grief. But the winner was the WWF's Ministry of Darkness from 1999. We're going to do a trilogy of it. Okay, so the three shows we're going to be doing are the Raw After Backlash, so the 26th of April 1999, which is going to be today's episode. We're also next week going to do the first ever SmackDown show. Although it was it was the pilot, but not the first ever SmackDown show, which oh. they always go on about. So this is a pilot on UPN. Yeah. Or, and we'll mention that in Raw because they kept on saying, on Thursday night when WWE returns to network television, but obviously the USA wouldn't allow them to say... On a rival on a different network. network. <laughs> yeah. Sure, sure. Um, and then it took, I think it was like three or four months later, then it became commissioned to be the second longest running episodic television show mm. in TV history. Let's just confirm this. Was it the Tuesday or was it Thursday? Because I've got it down as the 27th of April, which is the day after this rule. They taped it Tuesday. They showed it. Ah. The, they po- posted the pilot later. There we go. Okay, good stuff. And also, we're going to be doing the Raw from June the 7th, 1999, which we will explain why when we get to that episode, I think. Because yeah. it's an important part of this storyline. So, obviously, we're starting... Our, this is probably the first major storyline arc, the uh, the Raw after Backlash, sure. which the Ministry have been involved in. So, for those of you who... Uh, the fact this is over 20 years ago mm-hmm. scares me a little bit when I think about this. Yeah. Considering this Raw was one of my more memorable Raw moments as it's, well. It got to the point where stuff was happening that I swear I remembered. Yeah. But it was different to how I remembered it. And you're like, ooh, <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a long time ago. So... As we as it stands, so basically after Judgment Day in October 1998, the Undertaker turned Paul Bearer turned his back on Kane. The Undertaker basically announced that the Ministry of Darkness and a plague of evil would be unleashed on WWE with the Undertaker's main aim to take over the WWE. Um, since then, so Undertaker's been feuding with Kane, Steve Austin, leading up to um, basically Vince McMahon saying the Undertaker, Mark Calloway, mm. is starting to take his character a bit too seriously, suggesting blurring the lines for the first time using the Undertaker's real name of Mark Calloway. It got a bit Russo work shooty worky working yourself into a shoot brother or shooting yourself into a work whatever it is. Shoot shoot brother brother brother. Yeah. Hmm. So the order where people joined the ministry I hope I get this right. So well we can describe a little bit more than that than just the order. So like the acolytes were kind of their own entity to start with weren't they? Yeah. Going around kidnapping people and beating people down and like talking about there was someone else controlling them and yeah, such, so I seem to remember. Farouk and Bradshaw were going around. They started kidnapping. They were the people who started kidnapping fellow members of the ministry. So the Acolytes yeah. were unaffiliated with the ministry to start with. Um, they kidnapped, I think to start with, it was Ryan Shamrock. Uh, or was that like that was after Midian and Viscera? Well, we've got kidnapped. Midian and Viscera get converted first. <laughs> They've gone from Phineas Godwin to Dennis Knight into Midian yep. which apparently he fucking loved this gimmick getting like eyeballs tattooed on the back of his head and stuff just to suit the gimmick living that dream like, legitimately and Viscera got a big black bin bag and put it on and <laughs> became Viscera as know? opposed to wearing the big purple and gold bin bag he wore before when he was in Men on a Mission it's Mabel in Men on a Mission <laughs> winning the King of the Ring for the EC dub chance and everything of you know? all the people to be kidnapped I think Viscera wouldn't be a great target <laughs> how are you gonna lift him <laughs> he's a big old boy so yeah so basically as you said like um Bradshaw and Farouk had formed the Acolytes, and they were briefly managed by the Jackal. Yeah, for stage. like a week, maybe? Yeah, before he uh, mentioned that... And I think there, there's a quote from the Jackal on commentary that the Acolytes would usher in the Age of Tribulation in the WWE. Oh, <laughs> Tribulation? I don't oh, know yeah. what that word means. And the Jackal would be the puppet master controlling everything from the shadows, <laughs> apparently. But that was before the Jackal left at the end of 1998, um, just before... Um, 
Broken Bradshaw came under the uh, guide of the Undertaker. Yeah. And so, so the first uh, orders in December 28th, they kidnapped Dennis Knight, and then he came back as a uh, Midian. And at the Royal Rumble, um, the Midian and the Acolytes kidnapped Mabel, who then the next night on Raw would be renamed Viscera. Shortly following that, he acquired the best entrance, the faction, the best entrance ever in professional wrestling, the Brood. Oh, yeah. Coming up sure. through that flaming circle, Gangrel, mm. Edge, and Christian. Yeah. Apparently, I watched a bit of a shoot with Gangrel. We can talk about it now, I guess. Where uh, Gangrel was saying that he never wanted to be part of the ministry at all because he knew it would be kind of the beginning of the end. And that he knew that the Brood was a, um, a vehicle to get Edge over. That's how he yeah. was always pitched to him. Um, but like that entrance. God damn. I remember having WF Attitude, the game. Right? Oh, yeah. And you'd and always have create your own wrestlers, have them come through the of fire. Of course. And just watching that intro over and over again. Every time we get to the match, going, right, exit the match and watch the intro yeah. again. Because <laughs> it was just so cool. And always worrying because you, you had Gangrel and Christian wearing their little sort of uh, very gothic white shirts. Mm. And Edge with his long leather coat every time going, that's going to catch on fire. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I always fire. thought that. Was, it happened at least once. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. But like the idea of the brood, a vampire stable that already established joining the Ministry of Darkness, uh, the kind of the beginnings, really, that's more of like a druidy, satanic vibe thing, is like, you can see the Russo logic of like, all right, those two things, they're kind of similar. <laughs> Just put them together, yeah. it'll be fine, you know? And in fairness, if you look across the faction, mm. you had everything you needed. You had your big man, you had your thugs in the Acolytes, you had sure. your up-and-comers, and then you had Gangrel. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> So, but like they were only in it for like a cup of coffee, weren't they? The brood were out like literally a week or two after they came in. I seem to remember after Mania. So they they yeah, joined yeah, at the yeah. tail end of the uh, sort of the beginning of January, just after the Rumble. Yeah, and then we go all the way with um, Undertaker and the Ministry feuding a little bit with the Corporation. Mm-hmm. So you've got two heel factions feuding with each other until we got to uh, WrestleMania 15. Yeah, and what happened to WrestleMania 15 with the Undertaker tax? Well, <laughs> something that hasn't overly aged well. Um, mm. They hung the best boss man from a noose from the hell in the cell. They executed him on the best. <laughs> Jesus Christ on live pay per view, like exactly. WrestleMania. It's and, madness. And they had the brood come down from the rafters onto the top of the hell in the cell to lower down the noose. I, I vividly remember p- the next day at school, people coming up to me and going, "Did you watch WrestleMania?" I mean, like, yeah. It's like, wasn't it dumb when they <laughs> hung boss man? Because they're not going to kill him, are they? And it was the first time that kind of casuals would come up to me and have their suspension, their dis, uh, their disbelief kind of really unsuspended, almost. Is yeah. I guess the way to put it. Like they knew that this was bullshit. Yeah, and it was kind of weird for me. Like that really took me out of that element as well. I remember the thing that also got me about watching this is when they started raising the cage of the boss man on, and Edge and Christian were on the top, and I was like, "Those poor lads, <laughs> they <laughs> get squished, <laughs> getting higher and higher and higher." <laughs> so after that, um, after WrestleMania, so that's WrestleMania 15, uh, a mysterious woman revealed to be McMahon's daughter Stephanie. Mm-hmm. Um, she went missing. And then yeah. Ken Shamrock ended up finding her in the boiler room. With the Taker's logo scribbled on her forehead and yeah. stuff, you know. Which then led to also the kidnap of Ryan Shamrock, who yeah. appears on this pod far too often for someone who had <laughs> d- literally nothing to do. That and TNA, Ryan Shamrock. It's true. Sidebar, Ken Shamrock returning to Impact Wrestling. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay, great. That'll, that'll put some butts in seats. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I like Ken Shamrock, but yeah. So this led to then the backlash match between The Undertaker and Ken Shamrock. Mm-hmm. Which uh, shortly uh, followed the uh, before the match. This is where Christian had let slip that they had kidnapped people. Undertaker beat the shit out of him, and that led to the Brood leaving the Ministry. Yep. So we're just down to Undertaker, Paul Bearer, Midian Viscera, 
and the Acolytes. And then after Backlash in Your House, where Ken Shamrock and The Undertaker went face-to-face, we had Rock vs. Undertaker in the main event. Not Sorry, Rock vs. Austin in the main event. That wasn't how we finished the show, though. No. One, so... of, one of the greatest ever sound bites in all of <laughs> professional wrestling <laughs> followed at the end of Backlash. So you have Rock and Austin in the ring. Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff like with bullshit with Shane and Vince where Shane is the special guest referee and there's the belts involved and they've got the smoking skull belt but Vince has that and it's kind of all it's it's very convoluted storytelling so it's, it's brilliantly kind of soap opera you yeah. know but Steph is in the limo in the back ready to go home sort of thing Vince has left her with a whole bunch of cops it's like everyone's ready to go I remember this so vividly not boss man he'd been hung <laughs> <laughs> so up and shane's almost taken over that corporation it's almost yeah. vince by himself now they're trying to make him like oh he's not as bad as he used to be with the austin feud in 98 you know and so stephanie's in the limo the the, the ministry of darkness guys kind of come out to the back and the cops confront them there's like okay right off you go limos the limo drives off and stephanie's like driver driver wait for my father <laughs> <laughs> you can drop the line right so the, the, the uh, privacy window comes down from the driver and the classic line of where to stephanie <laughs> <laughs> the best i watched this clip a few times obviously before this part but my favorite part about it is right taker turns around does the big line and the laugh and stephanie's like <laughs> does great acting she's really good at being the damsel in distress yeah you can then see Taker look to the side, who's obviously talking to someone who's sitting next to him going, close the window. This is the bit where you close the window. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you look really carefully, he looks to the side a little bit. It, it's fucking brilliant, man. Like The lead in to this moment, this, this episode we're all watching. It, it's funny, you know? It, yeah. It's entertaining. It's gothy. It's weird. It's, I wish it turned out a bit better, maybe. This is a, a pure case of something that was so good that they couldn't top it as yeah. we get to when we get to episode three and we'll discuss this in detail the build to the, the, the final crescendo of this whole storyline arc yeah there was literally nowhere they could go to make it be the the final payoff to be like oh my god i never saw that coming sure so at this point in unless it's been a keem <laughs> at this point in the storyline you can hear jr on commentary putting it over like the idea is that Vince wants to take over the WF from Vince McMahon. He wants to like oust him out of the yeah. company, essentially, to create, to gain the power, to do whatever it is he wants to do. It's never really explained. That's the general idea of the Ministry of Darkness' goals, I guess you'd yeah. say. A, a, uh, a darkness, yeah. a dark corporation. That's what they sure, want. Sure, absolutely. And so it's, it's, it's boss man gets put on the big not crucifix. Yeah, the not crucifix. <laughs> <laughs> the symbol, as they always refer to yeah. it as. Uh, yeah, Ryan Shamrock. Yeah, Taker goes after Sable at one point because it's like because he's a pervert. <laughs> it's Vince Man's money ticket is he puts it and forces Vince to come to the ring. Yeah, so that that's where they, they kidnap Stephanie and like you get the idea. It's like ritualistic. It's more of a druid Taker than like a, a crypt keeper undead Taker that we were used to up until this point. And what a, I mean, in fairness, the amount of effort and time they like their backstage creative must have put into going. 
this is how we think you should look. This is how you should grow yeah, your beard. Get sure. your eyebrow pierced. Do this, do that. The oh way he takes a talks in tongues in the promos and stuff, yeah. he's really good at it. That's not an easy thing to get no. away with, but like he kills it at this time. He's also jacked as fuck. Jacked as fuck. His, <laughs> his robe when he comes to the ring as well. Yeah, it's, yeah. And even when we'll get to it as well, when he's fighting, just wearing the robe and throwing the punches, it's such a good visual. It is great. It's really cool. Right. So that leads us into our first episode of our WWF Ministry of Darkness 99 trilogy. Raw is War, the 26th of April, 1999. We are in Harvard, Connecticut, a WWF home match, if you will. Because if you, you know, Stephanie got college in the morning so she's got <laughs> she's got to work the shows near connecticut sure sure so we get the recap stills from backlash that leads us in everything we've just kind of gone over quick quickly before we do that go the attendance for this monday night raw just a standard post b pay-per-view show yeah Eleven thousand nine hundred eighty-one people for Monday Night Raw. It it sounds incredible now. You listen, yeah. to hear that nowadays, but this was every week for Vince at this yeah. point. And same for WCW yeah. for the the heyday sure. Nitro in the in the nineties, well, late nineties. ECW as well. ECW was doing yeah. six seven thousand people sometimes around this age as well. So it's, it's, it's wrestling was in the height of the Attitude Era. Hear, hearing through, obviously, you know, when you've got people like Jim Ross, Bruce Pritchard doing all these uh, podcasts now. Sure, Austin for one month royalty check. Because, again, you saw all the signs. You saw all the Austin 316 t-shirts in the crowd and everything. God, there are a lot of signs in the crowd. Fucking hell. Go on. Yeah. Austin's royalty check for one month in the the heyday of the Attitude Era. One million dollars. Oh. Of just his share of royalties. Jesus. So you can imagine how much Vince took off the top of that. Here you go, Steve. Here's a million dollars. I've got 12. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a co- an actual cold open, not what AEW think is a cold open, <laughs> where we jump to Vince arriving in a limo with the the, uh, the Stooges. Stooges, thank you very much. I forgot the word. Of Patterson and Briscoe. God love them. Uh, Vince looks very concerned, I guess is the best way to put it. Vince McMahon, the worst actor since Bailey. <laughs> and we jump into the 1999 Raw intro. Oh. It's the life of the bright and told to be. It's the life of the doubt and the soul to be. It's, oh, it's so good. Just <laughs> memories of youth. Yeah, nostalgia. This is the, the one moment on the show that I got proper goosebumps. Yeah. Going, I'm going to love this. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, signs in the crowd. I've got one here that said, uh, Doug the one pump chump. <laughs> yeah. And five separate signs. They made that much effort to get the Doug the one pump chump across the thing. Like, fucking amazing. And uh, we cut into the arena. That anthrax riff is playing. The down, 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 God, it just suits this so perfectly. Have you ever seen Anthrax live? Uh, have I seen Anthrax live? I don't think I have. Uh, out astonishing. Again, yeah. you know, as part of a festival lineup, though. So, again, it's never going to be as good as like a standard venue show, but sure. still, Crisp, everything was so good. I'm a big fan. I love that yeah. band. I really love that band. So, tons of pyro, thousands of signs in the crowd. I'm not exaggerating. No, it... And JR welcomes us to the show with who's his broadcast colleague? It's kind of weird, right? Because <laughs> JR's come back from the Bout of Bell's palsy like about a month or two before yep. this, I think. Um, so Michael Cole was the lead guy on commentary, but is not anymore. JR's replaced him. But King was the color guy leading into about a week or two before this, yes. right? But King is no longer here either. He is replaced by James E. Cornette, of all people. Who I think did a genuinely brilliant job. You can see him saying every line on commentary through gritted teeth of 
fuck you, Russo. I fucking hate you. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to get this shit over. You know, and he, he does a fucking brilliant job on it. I tell you what, you know, his views of modern wrestling mm. and some of his attacks on different groups of people sure. are despicable. Yeah. But as a manager character and as a commentator, I think he's very underrated, James Cornette. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I'm, I hate to say it, I'm a big fan. I hate a lot of the stuff he says, and I see it, and I'm like, oh, fuck's sake, why do I back you, <laughs> you know? But then I listen to, I'll regularly be doing, like, grading bits for work where I don't need to listen to audio, and I'll just listen to, like, James E. Cornette compilations on YouTube, because it's just amazing listening to the man talk. He talks better than anyone in the whole fucking industry, I swear. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's a, it's a sensible political move not hiring him for AEW, yeah. but... That's why the NWA are doing well by keeping him around. Billy Corgan's sure. not stupid. He's he's NWA, and if he's invested in the product, he will push it, and he will give it some value. Yeah, sure. The other thing about Jim at this point in 1999 is he was a part of the creative team all through 97, yeah. coming into 98. I think maybe around 99, he was still constantly... Because it was him and Michael Hayes and Bruce Pritchard, wasn't it? Yeah, and then Vince Russo came in around 97, I think it was. Yeah. And there was definitely a time where they went, right, we don't really want you around creative so much, so go sit on commentary, Jim, you know? I think that was 98, really, but I think he's nice to come Hang on, is that what happens in all well. wrestling promotions? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, JR welcomes us to the show. He says, coming off the heels of Backlash, it's a double tragedy in the McMahon family. First, Stone Cold Steve Austin regained the WWF title, but more importantly for Vince McMahon, The Undertaker abducted Stephanie McMahon last night at Backlash, and Stephanie has not been seen since. Brilliant opening line. Outback munching off Triple H. <laughs> not yeah, I don't think. No, we we're, we're, we're <laughs> it, but it, it was these storylines <coughs> and then <Magic>. the tr- <laughs> so, <laughs> allegedly, allegedly. Um, but it's these storylines that led into the test. Uh, relationship which then led yeah. into the Triple H God test is bad at this time wouldn't he <laughs> at this time yes. well indeed uh, let's not speak ill of the dead too much so uh, you smell what the rock doom, 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 is cooking <laughs> you're like oh it's the best so the rock is beautifully 90s patterned black shirt and sunglasses while indoors makes his entrance uh, as JR tells us that James E. Cornette's on commentary who's standing in for Jerry Lawler uh, so we get a rock promo. Rock is in his Rudy Poo stage, calls Austin a uh, trailer park piece of trash. Uh, there's a sign here that literally just reads anal warts in the crowd. And you're like, brilliant. The 90s was a weird time. Uh, rock is over, but the fans chant for Austin during his promo. Uh, it's like 70, 30% in favor of Austin, I would say at yeah. this point. So Rock is has come off the back of his big heel turn at Survivor Series the year before. Yeah, when he because that was when he beat the... Vince McMahon's pick man, Mankind at the Survivor Series for the tournament for the like, WWE Like title. we did with Will Power, right? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Just checking. <laughs> My memory's not so <laughs> yeah. great. Um, but Rock is so good that he's just getting over his face. Yeah. He's meant to be the top heel, really. But like, you know, they've kind of given up on that idea, I think, at this point. And well, gone, and al- we'll just make you and Austin the two top guys. And also, you've had the Rock Austin at WrestleMania 15. Sure. You've had them again now uh, at... Uh, uh, at backlash as well you've you've milked it as much as you can yeah sure so rock goes on about having a problem with shame at man he was the referee last night who screwed rocky out of his championship belt uh rock is interrupted by the no chance do, 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 do. no chance in hell as shame at man triple h boss man china the mean street posse and test make their way to the ring 
Uh, basically, the fans are all over Shane. Um, shallow depth of field on the, the cameras here. I don't know if you noticed it, but like they were really crisp and everyone in the background was blacked out. It's like a really cinematic oh, look. Okay. It's like, that's the first production. Note. I was like, oh shit, I missed this. That looked really cool. It, like, it's more narrative storytelling than just like soap opera, like reality TV, okay. like it looks nowadays. Yeah. Like it's almost too crisp nowadays. It's not like cinematic enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? But maybe that's just me having a gripe. You know, <laughs> who knows? Um, basically, they're Rudos. They're all Rudos have got their wires crossed. Um, suggest that Rocky is turning face at this point, really. Yeah. Because like uh, he's going on Shane, Triple H jumps Rock, and they kind of have a big brawl. And at one point, you think Shane's going to be the good guy and stops them all beating Rock up. But then he just gets a cheap shot in. Little like, kick. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of fun, man. I love it. What do you think of this segment? I enjoyed The Rock referring to him as, uh, I've got a big problem. It's a 200-pound sack of monkey crap. That's sure, like classic sure, Rock in sure, there. Sure. Um, it set the scene, because again, this is very much Roger and the Attitude Era. You had your long-term storyline arc to get between pay-per-views, and you had your storyline arc for the show. Mm-hmm how every wrestling show should be booked totally man like i find it how funny how they're all kind of beating down rock and test is just standing in the corner by himself doing nothing the whole way through this at that stage he's probably sitting there thinking i've got a promo and uh, talking about it in his head and then suddenly going what's a union because <laughs> that's coming up hi the guys from equity <laughs> hashtag we are the independent so uh shane shane says this line shane mcmahon says your ass is fired to the rock at the end of this and i don't remember this being much of a storyline wasn't Rock just like back next week? Yeah. I guess we'll find out because we've got SmackDown coming up, which is the next show in sequence, right? Yeah. Well, tune in next week and we'll find out, I guess. <laughs> so JR sets us straight by saying The Rock has been fired from the corporation, not the WWF. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, we just made that very clear in the initial promo. But we'll see how it goes. Um, as the well, corp- obviously he's not fired because he wrestles later in the show. <laughs> <laughs> as the corporation heads to the back, Rock challenges Shane to a fight. Shane accepts. And we get, if you smell what the rock is cooking. He does it really fast at this point. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Like, he's not quite settled in to face Rocky yet. Or, well, again, it's probably part of his tweener phase. And then it, it was a bit like, don't want people to finish my sentence. Yeah. Still supposed to be a little bit edgy. This is not sing along with the champ. And this sort of stuff, you know. 20 years later, the highest paid actor in Hollywood. Fucking A, man. He's done a hell of a hell of a good like career for himself, you know? Well played, Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, sure, man. No, I quite like him and stuff. I think he's funny. Yeah. It's entertaining, yeah. So we get a match graphic of Triple H with China versus Billy Gunn for later in the night. Also, uh, the Big Show and Mankind versus Test and Boss Man for later in the night. Uh, JR shows us that Show and Mankind were in a Boiler Room Brawl match at Backlash last yep. night, isn't it? Yeah. Um... Right, JR and Cornette put over that no one knows where Steph is. Uh, we cut backstage live, <laughs> live in inverted brackets, because a lot of the time you see people in the ring and then suddenly they're walking behind backstage in these promos and you're like, they've, how did he get there? They are very fast at walking. <laughs> teleportation in the WF, yeah. you know? It's, it's not real. It's all fine. If the Undertaker can fire lightning bolts, we can have teleportation as well. Yeah, sure, yeah, absolutely. So we, we're backstage. There's so many backstage segments here. This feels very WCW- uh, 2000s yeah you know it's 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 shocking how russo only knows three tropes and they're all in this show but not as much as they were in wcw no and at least each of these segments had a purpose and again back back on usa mostly some of them are just a reminder that they're there almost well we'll get to the, mo- the most throwaway segment backstage like 20 second segment a okay. little bit further on in this but mate I, I'm, I'm trying to think which one you mean <laughs> i can think of 10 that i would just be like i just cut these out no one needs them big show in austin mate what about shane with backstage of the corporation go oh no we won't go rescue her. we'll just stay here for a bit 
<laughs> no, this sort of shit. Yeah, it's a case of, no, we've got this, we've got this. The Big Show Austin one's quite funny, though, but we'll get to it. So Vince backstage with uh, Briscoe and Patterson, and Vince is like, no cops. Vince just wants Steph back. So Vince's acting it is hilarious. And not as bad as pa- Patterson's like, Vince, you should call <laughs> the police. <laughs> I'm uh, one step away from Briscoe going, Sting won't come. Yeah, sure. It's fucking great. Uh, so there's a seizure-inducing promo for Backlash replays, and you're like, oh, God, this is difficult to watch. Also know? giving away the finish. Oh, does it? Yeah. What did, what did it show? Austin winning the belt. Oh, did it? <laughs> Fucking hell. I didn't even realize. Uh, so we're back with Vince, Jerry, and Pat again. They're all leaning on their knees now, rubbing their heads to convey their emotions. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, acting skills are a, a, a prime with these three. Oh, yeah. It's totally out but there. But the Stooges, when they were heels, yeah. as like Vince McMahon's lackeys, fantastic during the Attitude Era because they were yeah. so shit. So hated. Yeah. It was so easy to hate. And that's dicks. <laughs> and that's what they tried to do in modern day when they had Jamie Noble and um, Joe Mercury with Seth Rollins as his little... Um, oh, I don't remember that. His little lackeys. I was probably watching at the time. I don't remember that at all. Was okay. it any good? Oh, I do remember that. Yeah, they had the suits. They can't do yeah. bumps to everyone. I remember yeah. that. Fucking hell, that was good. Anyway, so Shane, glo- Shane gloats uh, with the corporation backstage. Tesco's, it's not the rock, it's the croc. Ah, <laughs> that's a joke Triple H made two years ago. Hey, I'm getting over. <laughs> <laughs> so the brood make their entrance. Uh, again, it's just the coolest, the fucking entrance in the world. But that they even must have loved it on this show. Yeah, yeah, sure. Like they come out the stage, they all kind of, there's, there's blatantly only so much um, distance that that thing, the, the ramp comes up yeah. as such, because they're all like, crouching down and then the camera shows them all stand up then it comes up a little bit they'll kind of raise out the floor and then as the <laughs> fire's lit and you're like oh i yeah, didn't time it brilliantly but no. usually this entrance was amazing but this happens to be the one show where it was a little fluffed another piece of classic music by jim johnston as well to make this cat because without that the entrance music <sighs> just everything jim yeah. johnston this time is like you think rock's music austin's music even like randy orton's music later in life as well it's such a classic i hate that song but yeah. it's such a classic like you know instantly who it is like i like the cfso guy c-o-f-s-c-o-s-c-o-s-c-o-s-c-o-s-c-o-s-c-o-s-c-o-s-c-o-s-c-o-s-c-o-s-c-o-s-c-o-s-c-o-s-c-o-s-c-o-s-c-
Uh, until recently, yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Kings of Wrestling, please. Kings Wrestling Supreme. Uh, so Cornette puts over that these lads uh, used to be part of the ministry, but have now parted ways. Gangrel spits some blood, and JR tells us there will be a non-title match coming up. And you're like, nah. <laughs> but the WWF Tag Team Champions of X-Pac and Kane, weird, versus Gangrel and Edge from The Brood. Okay. Do you remember this time period when Christian wasn't allowed to wrestle? Yes. It's weird, isn't it? <laughs> you think of Edge and Christian as the tag team and Gangrel as the singles guy almost. But well, I, I still think this goes back to all the things that you hear that Vince Mann really hated Christian's face. And this goes back to what we said on a previous pod about Vince wanted to put a blue dot over Christian's face every time he was on the screen. Because really? <laughs> I watched a shoot with Gangrel where he was talking about how Vince hated him as well and yeah. how it was just like, you're just here to get Edge over and that's it. Like, we don't want the vampire thing. And apparently it was Russo that snuck the vampire gimmick onto yeah. TV. Uh, I find that kind of interesting. So he did some good in his lifetime, at least. Yeah, yeah Gangrel, just take this uh, chalice of uh, red liquid and just see if Vince... Don't let Vince see it till you get out through... Because sure. you go go under the stage. Don't go through, Gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> but again, that entrance was the one thing that was over with everyone I knew. Like, yeah. we used to imitate it at school and shit. You know what I mean? That's fucking great. Did you crouch down for too long, though? Ah, I'm sure not. <laughs> yeah. but, almost. You could say that Triple H impersonates it a little bit nowadays. Every single flipping time. <laughs> <laughs> On the plus point, at least they learned how to press the hydraulics button when Rey Mysterio joined. <laughs> doing. <Doing-doing. laughs> so, uh, we get the pyro crotch chops for X-Park, but his music cuts out as his, on his way down to the ring, so he has to do it in silence. So he's just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> by himself it's fucking brilliant um, let's talk about that I think X-Pac is underrated I think he's fucking great I'd still say at that time especially coming out of DX and into this time of Kane pound for pound best wrestler on the roster well X-Pac with in-ring skill nah come on there's definitely better people than that I would say like a Val Venus or a D'Lo Brown would be even better than the him. Nah, it's still a bit green. Owen Hart's still on the roster, dude. Yeah, but you know, what's he ever done? <laughs> Don't like my favourite wrestler of all time. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so they hit the start button on the music again and the lights come up and the match is about to start. It's really awkward. Uh, Kane looks terrifying at this time. I love this era of Kane. I think it's his highlight. Um, although it is face Kane. Yeah, which doesn't work so no. well. I, I still like the fact that he's untrusting, even though he's a tag champ with X. Sure, I like I like the gimmick of Kane. I the one of the favorite things which this tag team did. I can't remember what pay per view it was, but they end up Xbox came out and did like a spin kick and kicked some steps into the Undertaker on a first blood match mm. for because Undertaker was attacking Kane. And then the, the opener of Raw the next night is that Xbox was having their shit kicked out of him by the Undertaker. It's like. Xbox shouldn't be wrestling The Undertaker. The Undertaker's a main event guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of always been Xbox's gimmick, isn't it? Even as the one, two, three kid with like Razor and people yeah. like beating people he shouldn't beat or been. I remember going to uh, my first ever WF live event, which is Capital Carnage at the Docklands Arena, London. Uh, and the main event was meant to be The Rock and Triple H. Ended up being the Rock and X Park. I was like, fuck this show. I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so X Park wins the match by doing. Oh, sorry. X Park does a spinny kick to Edge, who barely notices it. Kane gives Edge a choke slam for the one, two, three, and your winners are Kane and X Park, as you might expect, as they're the champs at the time. Um, it was a match. The, this is Astudo matches, though, isn't it? Three minutes, max, bit of sure. in ring action. And everyone complains these days. Oh, the rest have to work so hard. Mm. Go back to the Astudo work four minute segment three minutes it's your entrance there's an astonishing lack of wrestling on this show there was a 
let's be honest, there was an astonishing lack of wrestling in the Attitude Era on TV. It yeah. was literally the pay-per-views where you got the matches. That's when you'd have six mm. matches, half an hour each, on your pay-per-view card. I think this is a conversation to have at the end. Mm. You know, Let's carry on. So, um, I can smell something. It smells like Russo. <laughs> ah, could it potentially be something schmozzy <laughs> after a very short and quick, uneventful match? Post-match, <laughs> the lights go out. <gasps> there is a red strobe light flickering as the brood attack Kane right in front of X-Buck. <laughs> Literally meet a meter away from him. X-Buck just sitting on the ring apron because the lighting doesn't do any favours for X-Buck being lost in the light. Cocaine's a hell of a drug, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Another blackout. The lights come back up. Kane gets the, car- the carry treatment of the pig's blood coming from the ceiling. And they're like, okay, this is interesting. Uh, Kane sees Puck standing next to him and just beats the shit out of him. <laughs> what a crock of shit. <laughs> okay. Because again, Kane's stupid because then he goes, hang on, you did this. Don't you do green stuff? No, red it's now. the same shit Russo's doing two years later. Yeah, with Vampiro. Exactly yeah. the same shit. Like He knows nothing else apart from like four different things. Low blow, baseball bat shot, fucking blood over people. Uh, what else? What have I mean? Oh, people walking around shouting backstage. Yeah. Four things. Russo just relies on endlessly. <laughs> if we could do pro wrestling without those four things for the rest of time, I'll be happy as anything. <laughs> Wait, you tell me I can't do blood bars now? <laughs> no. Anyway, so backstage, Rock is prepping in the locker room, looking like a Roydy Magoo, to be fair to him. Uh, backstage again, Vince... Brist- go on. <laughs> Vince's phone just rings. Oh. This next segment, which you're about to say... Their Vince's reactions phone- are fucking priceless. The way all three of them go like, ooh, <laughs> look <laughs> across to the phone. I genuinely wish we still did cameras just so we could do the whole... <gasps> and the fact, again, true soap opera style, the phone rings and break. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah, so you get that little bit of like, oh, we better come back after the break to see who's on the phone. And then and then, then when it came back, it was like, before the break, it just showed a picture of the phone. It's fucking great, <laughs> isn't it? So we're shown the Vince Undertaker phone call that happened during the break. It sounds like a dodgy, pedo-y sex line, to be fair. And also, we could hear the Undertaker, so his that phone was pretty bloody loud. Yeah, sure, sure. It's weird, isn't it? <laughs> he's holding the phone up to his ear and it's coming through both speakers <laughs> yeah. hang on I'm not sure that's how sound works have you got the documentation oh mate it's so funny so I've just written down a few quotes from this okay <laughs> so controlling interest want her back now you harm a hair on her head there's too many cliches to count in this thing it's like every B movie bullshit C movie I, re- I really wish Rizzo had had full promotions right? and then I'm taking something you're worried about the hair on her head <laughs> <laughs> Magic so, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, what was it? So, uh, um, Taker finishes by going, Now, Vince, is that any way to t- talk to your daughter's soulmate? And I'm like, Wait, is it Triple H on the other end of the phone? <laughs> <laughs> Time to play the game. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> That's not me. That's not my gimmick. <laughs> not yet, anyway. So, Taker wants Austin to deliver the controlling interest papers. So, they're basically setting up that you can have Stephanie back if Austin comes and delivers the papers to control the WF. Booking, I'm guessing. Everyone wants that pencil. <laughs> He's in what Nash is doing in WCW. He's like, I'm not dealing with Russo anymore. Give me the book, Vince. <laughs> so as if by magic, we cut back to the arena. Big glass smash. And you just, oh, Austin's mate. intro every time. You see thousands of people stand up. A signs go in the air. Pops. Oh, man. It's incredible. There's nothing like it. There will never be another superstar who can get that reaction. I'm convinced there's going to be very few and far between. 
I don't think if wrestling is still around in, at the end of our lifetimes, there will still be another person to get that amount of reaction. You'll get the occasional you'll get return like, pop, yeah. but you won't get a constant, that level of pop out of anyone ever again. The only way I could imagine getting close to it is if, let's say, a Randy Orton turned up in AEW, like something that's really shocking. That but it won't... Like a, what the fuck? Um, that, that's you know? a return pop. There'll never be yeah, a constant yeah. week no, after no. week pop like this. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, yeah. man. I'm trying to think, if anyone could, who could? Punk. Wow, maybe so, man. Punk and if they don't cock him up, the only person who may be able to get that level of stardom, Dream. Wow, yeah. But they are the only two. And considering that Punk, although <laughs> the rumours that his agent's been like offered a Fox Network show to discuss like post-WWE stuff. Really? Are people at Fox just trying to fucking rib Vince? Hang on, your ratings on USA are shit. Cool. We've given you a billion dollars. I know what we're going to do to really stick at you. We're going to get Punk to come do a post-show with like <laughs> Renee. <laughs> Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Oh, that could be quite good, actually. So, Punk, welcome back to WWE. Oh, this is bad. This is bad. This was rubbish, wasn't it? Vince is a dick. I hate Triple H. <laughs> Did I mention I sued my former best friend? <laughs> <laughs> so, Austin in the ring. In, uh, sorry. Austin in the ring having an interview with Michael Cole. <laughs> this is one of the best parts of the show. Michael Cole and his oversized white shirt and blue jeans. Fucking hell. Wear a suit, Michael. For fuck's sake. <laughs> Austin immediately kicks Cole out of the ring. He's like, fuck off, Cole. Get out. I'm not dealing with you. I'd love it now under this like very scripted WWE if someone should do the going, fuck off, Michael Cole. <laughs> what, bud? <laughs> uh, Vince immediately interrupts. Vince pleads with Austin to help him get Stephanie back. Austin forces Vince to say, Vince needs Steve Austin, and Vince complies. Austin reciprocates by going, Stone Cold Steve Austin needs Vince McMahon to kiss his ass. <laughs> At that stage, Russo was like, I've got an idea of a club. You forgot to say bro. Bro. <laughs> you can't do Vince without saying bro. I Well, I, I worry people think I'm Matt Riddle. <laughs> but my pants aren't tight enough. All right, fair enough. <laughs> Glad you've been staring at his pants. <laughs> He'll be happy to hear that. It's impossible to not see his tight, <laughs> tight pants. Boy just needs to buy some bigger shorts. He's on WWE money now. He can buy shorts. I'm just going to skip over this. So uh, flashback to Austin giving Rocky a stunner while Rocky is holding the broadcast camera. Really nice moment. Uh, quick SmackDown advert, pimping out that it's the first one, etc., etc. Uh, Vince Briscoe and Pat Patterson backstage again. Vince is going to deliver it himself because he now can't trust Austin. Uh, over 35 minutes in, and we finally get a second match on this show. Do you want to do that top line? Hello, ladies. Val Venus versus one of my all-time favorite like boys, if you will. The man himself, the head-shaking bobblehead of wonder, D'Lo Brown. David Gray. I mean, wait, what? <laughs> D'Lo Brown. <laughs> There's a reference like no one yeah. listening to this is ever going to get, apart from me. So uh, D'Lo Brown versus Val Venus. Uh, Nicole Bass, Ivory, D'Lo, Sunday Night Heat recap moment. And I'm just like, oh, God, I remember this bollocks. Oh, uh, the, the Nicole Bass thing, again, through doing some research. Yeah. Uh, all the people backstage did not want to sign her. I mean, she's given this line in this promo that I'll just do before we get into this. I was talking to Val, Nicole Bass goes, I want to slide your trombone into my brass <laughs> section. <laughs> like, Jesus, who wrote this shit? Me. <laughs> it's, it's genuinely quite funny, actually. But, go on. but yeah, the Nicole Bass situation, um, yeah. sort of, 
uh, Vincent Mann had seen her and Russo had seen her and like, we need to get her. And this same time... Can you describe her to people that don't know her before we jump in? So if you think how China was when she originally came into WWE, so Nicole Bass, I think is about 6'2", 6'3". Very much um, a fit, what was like the female bodybuilder, female fitness yeah, she's model. she's she's definitely not clean. Let's put it that way. Yeah, um, but her her look is very much what you would consider to be to not be offensive, like a modern transgender individual. How how her yeah, face expression? Sure. It's the sort of person that you think would be they are either transitioning between one gender to another to be their preferred. Yeah, sure. But she was a. A really, I mean, she was a captivating figure. She looked like nothing else that WWE have ever had before. An intriguing. I'm character. loving hearing you skip around this, trying not to offend people. Well, no, but it, it, she's it, a fucking old Texas sailor. Come on, man. Some people, fu- <laughs> beauty is the eye of the beholder, Rich. Come on. <laughs> but yeah, the, but the thing is, the uh, bo- is apparently great. she wanted a lot of money, and really, like Bruce Pritchard and Jim Ross were doing with relations. Can't even fucking work. But that's the thing. They, she wanted a fuck ton of money. Oh, that's And they, they refused it. And then Russo... Damn and v- right, yeah. Russo and McMahon pretty much over going, just give her... We need her. Just give her what she wants. And oh. Russo really wanted her. So she ended up getting a massive contract for doing, like, this angle. Really? I'm very surprised to hear that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if you think, Astudera, a lot of money going around. I mean, if you're paying this... They're paying a, being paid that amount of money, you probably do whatever the fuck you're told to. So, yeah. cutting these sort of promos, you know. And, you know, putting a trump- trumpet in a trump- you know, trombone in a brass section. <laughs> She's like the LSO or something. <laughs> so, uh, the match kicks in. So, D'Lo Brown in music interrupts Val doing his sex pun promo. And I'm like, boo! These are the best bits about Raw. Uh, so, what follows is these two doing their spots for a few minutes. Nicole Bass walks down the ringside. Val gets distracted by Nicole Bass being like, what the fuck are you doing here? Uh, <laughs> Followed by, what the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> Ivory, who's seconding uh, D'Lo Brown at this time, which is a weird moment. I don't remember this very much. Was this uh, was this the same time that she was teaming with... Her? Was this the time where D'Lo Brown and Mark Henry had been tagging together? I think it's just after. I think it's our post-chest protector as well, isn't it? Yeah, because she'd been managing Mark Henry and D'Lo originally, so I guess it's a follow-on from okay. that. Uh, Glow superstar herself, Ivory. Yeah, for sure. I, I, we need to go back and do some glow. I'm thinking yeah, about this. Think I've been so. watching the show on Netflix again recently. I'm like, yeah, let's let's do that after this, maybe. Anyway, so after this trilogy and such. So uh, Nic- uh, blah, 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 blah. I can't even fucking talk. So Ivory jumps in on Nicole Bass's back. That's hard to say. What a sleeper hole. <laughs> Bass just flings her off like the kind of she's third of the size of Nicole Bass, you know. Yeah. So it makes poor Ivory, she's been like. I've got to work with this woman. Yeah. Oh, sugar. Fucking A, because Ivory's a good worker. Nicole Bass is not. No. So and then Val just kind of leaves. I'm not sure this even counts as a match, but they did a few spots, and it's, it's got oh, some no, they, they, storytelling they got the there. Pin at the end, so it was Was a there match. a pin yeah, for? There was a sky high into the pin. I didn't write that down. I was also distracted by the beauty of Nicole Bass. <laughs> so... <laughs> Anything you want to say on this? Like, I I remember Val Venus and D'Lo Brown having three, four incredible matches. There's a match at SummerSlam, I seem to remember, where they opened the show. These two were very much icy, proper. This is when the icy title actually meant something. It could be the oh, next yeah. elevation. That's one of the notes I wanted to say about this yeah. time period. The icy scene is fucking great. Yeah. Great wrestlers, 
good storytellers with characters. Yeah. And it's when the icy title, I think this is the time period when the icy title was the last time it was the stepping stone to the big belt. Sure. Because I remember Val Venus, after he'd won the IC title and lost it and had a bit of a heel turn, he was then in like a, a four person tournament to win the belt. And I think he had a singles match with Austin on Raw. Nice. And lost. But yeah, I was like, sure, wow, sure. Val Venus is being pushed towards the top of the card. When you think about the guys that are in this icy title scene right now, right? You've got Owen Hart, Jeff Jarrett, Godfather. Godfather, uh, Shingo, and, Sh- Shingo himself, yeah, Shango, Shango, sorry, Shango, yeah. You've got Val Venus, D'Lo Brown, Billy Gunn, Billy Gunn. <laughs> like you know, it's incredible the level of talent they've got. <laughs> we got that later. Wait, don't blow your spot yet. So Austin walks past back. Uh, blah, Austin walks past Big Show in the back with the most nonchalant bullshit <laughs> moment of this whole show. Well, Austin goes, "What the hell are you looking at?" And Big Show goes, hey, it's the guy's daughter. And Austin goes, I don't give a rat's ass who it is. As we cut to the adverts. You can tell they've done this five times because they're corpsing as they're doing it between each other. Good old Big Show. He looks amazing at this time. Yeah. He can't fucking work a lick, to be fair. Like, in terms of cutting promos and being a character. Well, this is what... big. Doesn't choke slam. Most people in the industry have always said about Big Show. WWE and WCW to an extent ruined him because they didn't make him an attraction and it's what's going to happen has happened with Braun Strowman sure yeah he should be an attraction he shouldn't be losing every week but more importantly I know at the time they wanted to give wrestlers a little bit more flexibility the the stories always come out is that when Big Show joined WWE he wanted to prove he was a worker so right. he wanted to work and wrestle and get down with the nitty rather than no one can slam me no one can take me off my feet and I'm just mm-hmm. going to run through people yeah but this would have also just been these two having interactions like Hasn't this just been like four months after Valentine's Day Massacre where he came up through the centre of the ring and then threw Austin through the cage to yeah. get the win? It's not long after that, that is it, at all. And he's already faced. When They've came- already turned him. Uh, yeah, so, you know, and that was the face turn of 143 mm. in his career. I mean, I know Rock's obviously gone face to heel to face already. Shamrock's gone from face to heel to face. I can think of a few examples where they're quickly swapping people back and forth yeah, this time. Yeah, Triple H as well as a key. Sure, sure. But, and and um, all the DX guys as well yeah. are now heel, even though they were faced earlier and blah, 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 blah. Um, but like the big thing with Big Show is that he's, he's, he stands out from those people. Yeah. He should be booked special, you know, and he really isn't at this time. And he never was. No, definitely not. So our third match of the night, I think at this point, maybe yep. fourth. I'm losing track. Oh, we've also forgot. So before we get to this match, we've also got Kane whispering backstage to Boss Man something in his ear probably like don't worry we won't hang you again <laughs> and then we cut to how him. is boss man alive by the way oh, he survived it's only been a month since he was executed by hanging up <laughs> and this is before they brought in bill buchanan to be the other boss man <laughs> did, did they ever explain why boss man wasn't dead they didn't strangle him he was it was symbolism <laughs> well like henry VIII symbolically murdered his six wives or five wives you know? he never murdered them it was symbolism <laughs> oh because the whole idea and this is, i believe these were i'm probably paraphrasing but this is to suggest that the undertaker is going to have a stranglehold on wwe oh yeah of course tax yeah um, fucking brilliant but Stop before, justifying Russo's no, nonsense. And, but, and we also then had um, one final backstage promo, so that's three in a row, where you had X-Pac looking for Kane. Kane! <laughs> oh, that one. Jeez, that is Russo all over, isn't it? <laughs> Doors. I think this is the point where I stopped writing down all the backstage promos, because I was like, I just don't care anymore. So, uh, New Age Outlaws, Billy Gunn promo with Michael Cole backstage. Road Dog's expression matches mine as I'm watching this bollocks. He's like, you can't cut a promo, Billy. <laughs> the reason why you missed those is I skipped forward a match. I'm so oh, excited. it doesn't matter. Apologies. It's okay. So uh, there's also uh, Road... I don't know if you caught this bit. This is probably one of the most interesting things on this card. Road Dog 
is wearing a WWF hotel and casino Las Vegas t-shirt. Yes. Do you know about this project? This is where Vince decided to buy the casino in Vegas. He bought a, um, a casino off the strip across a motorway from the main bit of Vegas. He's like... Good job, Vince. <laughs> Everyone's going to come there, aren't they? Fucking hell, Vince. They spent, I think it was 10 million on buying this shitty ass casino. It was um, a washed up celebrities casino type thing. I can't remember the name. Debbie Reynolds? There yeah, you go. I think that's right. And so they bought this fucking casino. They did a mock up of it, which is round. They obviously produced some merchandise. They're like, I need this t shirt in my life now. <laughs> if anyone out there has one of these t shirts, get in touch. I'll, I'll pay you for it. It's that and the Sable Bomb t shirt. You're going to have some vintage crap. Those are the two things I'm still searching for. Um, but yeah, but basically they held it for a year. They couldn't do very much with it. I watched a little documentary about it. And uh, eventually they ended up selling it for uh, 11 million. So they made a million off it. It's not so yeah. bad, you know? And, and imagine the merch sales. <laughs> like $30. It looked hilarious. The, the main problems they had with it were that they didn't have a big enough car park and they couldn't get people across to it and all that sort of yeah. stuff. It just came silly. But I love the idea of walking in. There was going to be like a... Uh, a sable lingerie shop and an undertaker tattoo parlor and all the chips that have austin on them and things and like i mean i would have done this in a second but the thing is though like this is fair play to wwe for trying to diversify because obviously this is around the same time they would have had wwf new york as well and the xfl and the xfl but we can oh, i cannot wait till we start the <laughs> xfl next year we will be covering the xfl have you picked a team yet no I'm struggling. There's not a team in Boston, so I'm like, oh, I don't know which one to pick now. Well, I, I, looking at some of the names, like we've got Wildcats, we've got the DC Defenders. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Was it Las Vegas? They've got a Vegas team this time, haven't they? I'm not sure. I've lost track, to be honest. Either way, I did the other day. Did you watch much of the XFL when it was first on? I watched the very first bit that was like oh the rock and the rock jr and the king yeah so it's wrestling on a football pitch and the two guys running for the ball to decide kickoff then immediately injuring themselves and being like oh this is fucked (laughs) but my main uh, my main recollection of it is watching the episode with the simpsons where home was watching it it's like the x stands for extreme (laughs) (laughs) i am i watched quite a lot of the xfl oh nice okay and it was brilliant you and like no one else I think I, I think my very dodgy dial-up internet to try and watch some of this stuff at the time. Mm. It was like highlights packages I could find. Mate, I love the XFL. I can follow American football at all. I uh, enjoy the American football. Yes. What's your team? 49ers. Really? Yeah. That's a shame. Well, you know, <laughs> terrible football, terrible soccer <laughs> fans for our American friends. Terrible football fans. It's fine. I, I'm probably a Packers guy. I try not to be a Patriots guy, but usually my Boston people, like I support like Celtics and the yeah. and all those. Are. But like, oh, Pats, man, they cheat all the fucking time. <laughs> anyway, so what the fuck is this Triple H music? This is weird transitional Triple H yeah. with the two-tone trousers and stuff. Yeah, but this this was again just before we had the... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But he's, he's got China because he's turned heel. Yeah. And DX have kind of followed him into turning heel almost at this point. They're still transitioning. But, um, so was China. <laughs> but <laughs> this Triple H music is terrible. It's it was, super generic. It was so bad I thought this might have been dubbed. Yeah, I thought it was. But then I moment. went back and thought to myself, no, this it was, was this bad, yeah. Awful. So we've got Triple H with China versus Mr. Ass, not Billy Gunn. No, no, no. <laughs> That's a whole different person, apparently. And not the one Billy Gunn either. No. <laughs> so uh, before the spitting water gimmick, Triple H, still not spitting at this point. You know, Brigitte's the greatest entrance music ever for Billy Gunn. <laughs> I'm an ass man. Down, down. 
It's fucking brilliant. So Hefner rapping, Hef, blah, 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 blah. Hefner is rapping. You screwed brat. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Ass gives Triple H a crotch chop and literally says, suck my dick <laughs> on TV. Uh, Triple H gives Mr. Ass a weird looking leg drag thing and proceeds to attack Mr. Ass's knee. Cornette- Sensible. Take out the vertical base. Oh, absolutely. Cornette dies inside a little every time he has to say Mr. Ass on commentary. Uh, signs in the crowd. There's a Bundy 420 sign. You're like, <laughs> it's not that far off after that happened. It's pretty bad. Uh, another one that says, can I play with the puppies? Another one that says, I've got crabs. <laughs> like, 99 was a weird time for wrestling fans. I just imagine they sent a lot of their DVR. It's like, Steve, do you see, see me on TV? Oh, see me on- looks like I've got crabs. <laughs> I'm on Cause, telly. Because I was with your sister. <laughs> so mr ass makes a comeback cornette points out i can't believe how many times i've said ass on tv <laughs> just through gritted teeth the whole time uh china cheap shots mr ass on the outside so road dog comes out and faces off with china on the ramp but road dog refuses to get physical with china because uh, xbox was going to do it later thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> pedigree for the one two three a triple h would you believe it wins the match who would have thought even at this stage triple h should manage to survive um the uh, curtain call and was still now winning matches yeah sure. and the good thing is he hasn't lost a match for 20 years no absolutely <laughs> allegedly so, i mean yeah let's get around so another shane backstage talking absolute bollocks with the corporation uh chef boy Diad with foley becoming beheaded trophy for a big game hunter these chef boy adverts were so shit I, yeah, I they did, weren't great, were they? Recently on the WWE Network, they put on a a big show documentary. Um, I'm a heel. I'm a face. I'm a heel. Look, I'm a face. He covers that. Oh no, no, it's the their photo shoot version, and it basically took some photos. Hit Big Show doing Chef Boyardee adverts, right? And they showed how many outtakes he had just to try and say like two lines of the Chef Boyardee thing. Awful, really. But even him wow. himself looking at this back, going. God, that was awful. <laughs> and then they said, he said, like, and they just sent me crates and crates of this stuff, and I just ate it for months and months and months. <laughs> Is that why he was in really good shape here? A year or two later, not so much. Yeah, I mean, it was the, so then it was like, you know, the same approach to Joe the Sandwich Guy, except Big Show's not a massive fucking nonce. <laughs> I couldn't believe this, by the way, Joe the Sandwich Guy. God, yeah. You, you obviously heard what yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't believe it. I didn't know this happened. Some bloke at oh, work really? when I was mentioning about Subway and some like young kid was like, but do you know he actually turned out to be a massive nonce? Yeah, sure, uh, sure. It's, like, it, it's quite a big thing in America. For us, we didn't have the adverts or anything. We didn't have this Jared no. guy. But it's obviously, it's uh, through, I think through pro wrestling, we probably yeah. found out about him. Oh, definitely. Yeah, he's a fucking pedo and shit. I mean, the worst thing is when my this bloke at work was talking to me about it, all I thought was, man, I could really go for a Subway right now. I love Subway. <laughs> <laughs> Eat fresh. Sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> on subject sponsoring us buy a t-shirt so we can get an Amazon uh, so we can get an Amazon no we've already got Amazon account buy it so we can buy subways for Amazon you know uh, a subway you walk past it it smells really nice yeah you know what I mean they get yeah. that kind of fresh bread sandwich smell yeah I was watching this uh, I smelled something really bad suddenly and I was like oh it smells like Russo <laughs> <laughs> yes very good <laughs> X-Pac runs around backstage being angry looking for Kane I get flashbacks to Hogan in 2000 looking for Bischoff backstage. Bischoff you in here Brother, <laughs> it's exactly the same segment. It's exactly the same. Well, it's going the from, same building. Literally walking around backstage, hitting doors, going, "Hey, Kane, are you in here?" And then walking along and stuff. It's 
Oh, it's what bad. they should have done is have Glenn Jacobs with mask off just standing backstage going, he went that way. <laughs> <laughs> so more stills from Backlash last night as they used to recap these pay-per-views not showing you any of the actual clips. Yeah. Just be like photos nice from the stills. event. Yeah, sure. Uh, big big Show and Foley had the Boiler and Brawl. Boss Man get involved and it became a bit of a schmoz apparently. I don't remember this match no. at all. But. So which leads us into a tag team match of Mankind and the Big Show versus Test and the Big Boss Man, the corporate lads. Uh, Show and Foley are currently in a feud, but we're not sure whether they're going to get along. Uh, Bossman and Test have some philosophical differences, as JR puts it on commentary, and we're not sure whether they're going to get along, which is interesting. We've got two teams of strange bedfellows. Sure. That's love to use on commentary. So it was interesting to see at the time, as you said, with um, the strange bedfellows. It made for an interesting angle as such, but little did we know that three weeks from now, this is also going to turn into some faction-based bullshit. I'm trying to think which bit you mean. So obviously we've got Big Show and Mankind oh. all being together to start off. Are they going to get along, aren't they? Yeah. You've got Test and Boss Man, where Test has conflicting viewpoints on how to do things properly with the Boss Man, and Ken Shamrock's knocking around. Which leads David to... Starr's <laughs> Union! <laughs> but right now in this match... Uh, boss man only taking the tag when Foley is down I thought was really really funny Tess comes to tag him in when he's kind of in like dubious trouble and boss man's like oh I don't know what's happening <laughs> and looks away up into the rafters and such and can't take the tag it's always good to see boss man in the ring I love the big boss man I'm a big fan yeah. and you never really appreciated how tall he was I think it was like 6'4 yeah. it's a big dude man when he came in the 80s to take on Hogan as the baddie prison jail thing that you know proper peril for hogan yeah. really good really good stuff i remember as a kid watching this um 99 how old would i have been i would have been 86 96 so i'd have been 13 14 watching yeah. this i'd been 13 so you'd have been a little bit younger okay so 12 13 whatever yeah. um i remember actually hating no you would have been i would have been 16 this doesn't bode well for my profession Got that up. it's <laughs> fine i remember boss man being a guy who was genuinely just like oh why every time but not in go away heat, as in like, oh, I know that if you come and do stuff, you're going to be the problem. Yeah. Because he's got the nightstick, he can cheat very well. Like, he works matches incredibly. I'll always have a soft spot for Boss Man, because as we said on the prequel episode, mm. Big Boss Man was the first ever wrestler that I saw cutting his promo in front of the Royal Rumble, like, backdrop. Nice. And that was the first wrestling show that I saw, and I was like, he's... He's a he's a, a good policeman, yeah. and he's going to do the right thing. And then the Mountie got involved. <laughs> and I was like, "What a cheating man in red!" If you look at that person in that time period, and this guy in 1999, mm. and a lot he's done what a lot of others didn't do, where he's progressed with the times. He's taken the same character, the same gimmick, but turned it in from a blue like badge wearing, blue shirt, bad gold badge wearing nightstick guy to a riot gear guy yeah like it really works for his character especially as this heel kind of like henchman character for the corporation because he started when he came back from um, being big bubba in wcw to just wearing like the balaclava yeah and sure. and all the big burly like swat gear stuff uh -huh. and it was really good to see that the shield decided to go yeah we want to be boss man when they joined <laughs> except they just had wetter hair yeah, why the fuck do they wear the flak jacket still? I was about to say, why were their hair always so wet? It's like Roman Reigns still wears the flak jacket, doesn't he? Yeah, because you know, it, it, it's cheap for him to have to create new gear. 
D'Lo Brown was doing this in 99 as well. So big shows, oversized plaster on his head, all the effects of the match of Foley from last night. I thought it was pretty funny. And all that Chef Boyardee is going to be a headache. <laughs> Someone tried to draffine him. <laughs> so basically, Big Show gets the hot tag. Boss man lows blow the Big Show in front of the ref. Russo. Can you do that, Joey? Uh, boss man runs from show. Foley gives the mandible claw to test. Foley has not Mr. Socko as I remember Mr. Socko, but he has kind of like a, a Foley graphic on the sock. Yeah, a bit of a mitt, isn't it? I remember him having the rock on there. I did the rock and sock stuff because it was like, oh, look, I've got like a little yeah. rocky or whatever. I don't ever remember him having Mick actually himself on the sock. No, me neither. It's, it's kind of like a transitional Mr. Socko. <laughs> it's kind of a weird thing to see. We've said that far too many times in this podcast, transitional. transitional. Well, there's <laughs> lots of it going on at this time period. It's kind of interesting. Uh, so the winners are Foley and Show. Uh, Test and Bossman break, uh, break up in public afterwards and have a bit of a tiff. But, Always you know, embarrassing. Yeah, sure. Do it behind stage, behind closed doors. <laughs> so Vince is waiting in front of some pallets in the arena in the car park. Uh, Austin is hanging out backstage. Foley walks around in the backstage here in the background of this shot because he magically <laughs> appeared from the ring. Apparently, uh, Austin uh, has as uh, a shop zone shop. Sh- blah, I can't even talk. Shop zone ad here for Austin's yep. T-shirt that looks pretty awesome with the two vipers on his hands. Yeah. I always wanted as a kid, but fuck you, mum. <laughs> 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 Xbox wanders around backstage shouting Kane. Still um, looking for Kane. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, Bob Holly is beating up Al Snow backstage. <laughs> but then, yes, 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 the best character that never was in professional <sighs> wrestling. We get what a vignette for everyone's favorite former headbanger. Don't worry, let me set the scene. <laughs> Rich's written in his notes Holy shit, is this a Beaver Cleaver vignette? <laughs> Holy fuck! <laughs> Beaver Cleavage, formerly Mosh from the Headbangers. We cut to. Let me set the scene for you, dear listener. What is this shit? We, I remember this so vividly. We go to a black <laughs> and white scene <laughs> of the confused of the Cleavage House. It says Cleavage on the mailbox outside the Cleavage household, <sighs> and it turns out that Beaver Cleavage does not like his breakfast. But lucky for him, it's it, a grown man in a schoolboy's outfit in a fucking black and white bullshit kind of like fifties idyllic comedy thing. And schoolboy Beaver Cleavage does not like his breakfast, but luckily Mother Cleavage offers him some milk. And he mother's seems, milk, as he puts, she puts it. And he seems very, very happy about this. <sighs> and this stage, I get a bone. I mean, I get really <laughs> creeped out by this. <laughs> this is totally fucked up. What was the story behind them not going through this gimmick and then getting rid of that guy? Because didn't he do something very bad? I don't know. I, I don't think they've done anything bad, huh. bad, because his tag partner was also supposed to be quite prominent, because uh, Thrasher was going to come back as another like evil clown, doing the clown thing, and then Bruce right. Pritchard was going to manage him. Oh, that'd be pretty cool, to um, be fair. And at the time... On, I love you. But not as Bruce, not as Brother Love. Yeah, as, but- as like... Um, uh, something I think it's like DTK, um, hmm. which would be Doink the Clown. Okay, nice. but they, at the time on WWF.com, they they were doing like the odd auction thing of stuff to sell. Yeah, I remember that. And what they were going to do is they were going to have segments where Bruce Pritchard, as like the manager of this like Thrasher's new gimmick, was going to be they were going to do some kind of carnival auction thing and sell the stuff and pimp it out, to then wow. get um, Glenn something whoever Thrasher was over. So while they were plotting this character for Thrasher, Mosh gets to basically hump his mother's tits. It's 
so weird. It's all Freud. It's Vincent Mann's wet dream almost, isn't it? You know, yeah. this creepy shit. And then one day I'm going to say to Stephanie, I should be the father of her <laughs> daughter. Luckily, this promo only lasts like 10 seconds and we're off. As does my wank. <laughs> so we cut to The Rock, spitting on the floor indoors backstage. You disgusting, gross motherfucker. Disgusting creature. <laughs> And then it's J E double F J A double R E double T. Why it's double J. I think we Deborah. should create an award and we should just mail it to him and say thank you for appearing on our podcast on so many episodes <laughs> and see if he responds. He's on every fucking show. It's I ridiculous. swear. We do shows to Mexico. He's on it. We do TNA shows. He's on it. We do WF Japan, shows. He's, he's on there. it. Japan. He's on it. At least he wasn't in Stardom that we know of. <laughs> Hit the pimp music because the IC <laughs> champ is here. <laughs> For our next match of Jeff Jarrett versus the Papa Intercontinental oh, wait, Champion of the Godfather. Godfather who clearly forgot his gear <laughs> in this show. His lovely gold and blue shirt. Yeah, yeah, sure. Let's talk about the idea of a face pimp gimmick for a kids TV show, essentially. Well, this wasn't kids TV show at this time. This was definitely a... You say that. It's not like mostly adults are watching. Well, think of mostly adults who are in the crowd. This was very much, the attitude there was very much like mm. the, the teenage boys into like early 20s demographic. They, I mean, obviously the key ones they're looking for is the 18 to 34 demographics, what they're looking for. I mean, I wasn't 18 at the time. Neither were any of my friends that were all watching it. We were all 13. It's fine to buy women for money. <laughs> as long as you are in agreement with the contracts and you do what, it, you keep to the rules. Sure. Let's not forget about, you know, women's services being up for grabs in a pro wrestling match. Well, let's not forget the fact that women's service were up for grabs backstage of a pro wrestling company. Oh, maybe so, man. But fucking hell. How did they ever think this was an okay thing to do? How did society ever think this was an okay the thing to do? The fact that like, they could do a table for three with like him, Farouk, and like Mark Henry sitting around and be like, oh yeah, he owns a strip club now, by the way. <laughs> yeah. like, sliver the gimmick. Exactly. And if you're going to... I'm not going to lie. Great business venture because... Let's be honest. <laughs> Just going to push that gimmick to the extreme. People want to see tits. Oh, well, yeah. And we'll pay sure. money to see it before the internet became so e. Pornhub killed the strip industry. <laughs> <laughs> I've always said the internet ruined professional wrestling. The internet ruined strip joints. Oh, sure, yeah. So there's an intercontinental title graphic, but JR tells us it's non-title on commentary. And you're like, oh, something went wrong there. Teddy Long is the referee, and I'm like, yes. Uh, J- Double We're J- going to make this a tag team match. <laughs> Double J cuts a promo about it being non-title. I wonder what's coming next, Tags. Mm. Is it maybe they're going to make this a title match because they gave it away with the graphic two seconds ago? Well, at least JR Salt covered that, covered that crack. Yeah, sure. So it's Speaking na- of crack, hi, here's Deborah. <laughs> it's now a title match, but if Karma wins... <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate fighting machine... Fucking A. Deborah becomes one of the Godfather's hoes. But if Jeff wins, he wins the belt. Now, Deborah seemed very excited by this because she realizes that the pay in WWE is shit, <laughs> but if she could be one of Godfather's hoes, she might be able to make a bit of cash on the side. So she's gone from the valet of Jeff Jarrett to being hmm, a sexual object for sure. Because she's the whole emphasis of the puppies thing with yep. Lawler and everything. So, therefore, wants to be a prostitute? I mean, it's a noble profession. It's an ancient profession. Women have been prostitutes for years and years and years and years. 
back to what I refer to as ye olden days. <laughs> Mate, I used to live with two people that were doing their master's degree in history. And the amount of times I'd be like, you know, in older days, <laughs> it would fucking infuriate them. It was great. It would always be the peep show quote that I love the most. So like, <coughs> when they're on the bus going to like Dartmouth mm. and, and he said, I studied ancient history, Jeremy, and I spoke to you about it every day. And then Jeremy goes, well, I guess that's what ancient history now. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a match match for the sexual services of a real human being for or and or the IC title. Indeed. And the crowd are obviously very sensitive to this because they're immediately like, we want puppies. <laughs> you're like, fucking hell, the 90s was a weird time. Yeah, and also we didn't want Jeff Jarrett win the IC belt. So, you know, we want, True. we want Papa Shango to keep the belt and we want to see Deborah's rather large bosoms. Fucking name. But not Beaver Cleavage's mother's boobs. No. Well, the boobs all right, but, you know. Uh, the match barely gets going while Val Venus walks down to ringside to molest Deborah with his eyes. Uh, Nicole Bass comes down to ringside and gets in Deborah's face because she's like, how dare you be near my man, sort of thing. Double J gets distracted. Godfather rolls up Double J for the one, two, three. And within seconds, the Godfather's won the match. Deborah is now in the services of a pimp. Uh, some cheap... Uh, what what, what Oh yeah, some cheap piece of shit at ringside tries to look up Deborah's skirt as she goes up the ring steps. Do you see this? He literally ducks dead and goes, oh, <laughs> to try and look up her skirt. So like, I die on the TV. What a dick. <laughs> WrestleMania so, 2000, anyone? And then, God bless, Owen Hart comes out and grabs Deborah out of this nonsense. Be like, I'm not having this. <laughs> you know? Luckily, Owen had creative control. <laughs> God, I love seeing Owen, man. I, I wonder where that was going. God, I love looking up Deborah's no, skirt. I watched uh, Liger and Owen from Japan the other oh, day. Oh, no. What a treat. They finished it with a legitimate top rope DDT. You know how, like, you know, Jake delivers a DDT? Yeah. They did that from the top rope. You see Liger going, boom. It's oh. like, oh, my God. It's Owen's head just smashes into the floor. Bet Liger would have bloody loved that. Mate, the shit they were doing in, like, 96 before anyone even knew what professional wrestling really could do, you know? Incredible stuff. Good that Liger still repaid the favour to people like Tyler Breeze in modern WWE time as well in NXT when they Too had their right, battle. right, man. Yeah. Liger's on his retirement tour essentially now. He's just going around like putting everyone over yeah. in the industry. One of the greatest guys of all time. So Vince is still hanging about backstage in the car park. Uh, there's another really fucking weird vignette here. Is this the meat one? Do you want to describe this? Because, I mean, I got a bit just like, for fuck's sake by this point. So, so um, Terry Runnels and Jackie are backstage in some kind of that 70s show. Do you remember show. what their faction name was? PMS. Classy. I told my missus that and she went, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so set in this rather um, sauna-ish looking location. Sure. Yeah. With Mark Henry's Future Entrance music playing <laughs> in the background. <laughs> and the ladies were talking about how much they... Uh, like a big slab of wank. I'm meat. <laughs> meat. Big slab of meat. And Sean Stasiak sat there going, this gimmick's never going to fucking get over. Like, Val Venus was molesting Deborah with his eyes. These two women are molesting this dude with their f- fucking hands. Well, <laughs> what's really nice is it's nice equal equal awkwardness. <laughs> because if women can be molested, equal so awkwardness. can men. It's amazing. <laughs> equal awkwardness is going to come back at some point. That's so good. I'm going to use that. It did in my last court hearing. God. <laughs> <laughs> like Roaring 99 is severely creepy you can tell they're competing and they're like what else can we do Yeah, how they- far can we push it without getting away with it and in fairness away there it. was nothing wrong with this they were just admiring a man who there was nothing really- wrong with <laughs> <Yeah>. this <laughs> 
They were just admiring a man who works out at the gym. God. I've also decided that I think I might recreate this for a future Tex Williams vignette, but with Sounds two great. beautiful men that are like really fat, overweight men. Like, mm. I, lo- I love a bit of meat <laughs> with extra fat. So we jump into our next match of Bradshaw versus Ken Shamrock. And I'm like, oh, we might actually get some sort of stiff bullshit here at least going on. Uh, so- uh, because, of course it was, because we just watched the meat promo. <laughs> So Taker beat Shamrock last night due to Bradshaw whacking Kenny with a baseball bat. Shamrock walks out in jorts with a baseball bat, and I'm like, for fuck's sake, we're not even getting a match, are we? Immediately, I'm like, no, oh, god damn it. Uh, Farouk jumps Kenny. Uh, Acolytes and Shamrock brawl in the ring. Uh, JR explains that Ken has left the corporation. Test is, test is out to aid Shamrock because obviously with the feud with boss man earlier test seems to be separating from the corporation so therefore he cares about kenny or something oh, he's a really big fan of ufc great <laughs> so some of the crew at ringside corpse as ken shamrock swings a baseball bat around like smacking the table and stuff you know the guys that went around with the cables yeah. for the cameras you can see them crash out the corner going <laughs> this is awesome it's pretty funny good old ken shamrock i mean this is a segment it certainly wasn't a match Shane walks around backstage because Vince Russo only knows one thing. So JR can go, Shane and Rock, next! As they cut to the adverts because he obviously only had two seconds to say it. Like, I love when Vince, uh, when JR, like, he's he's panicked into being spontaneous. Yeah. Uh, he's brilliant at it at this time. And we're going we're gonna to go right, right, right up, right up to the break. Yeah, absolutely, man. He's really, really good. One of the best at it. Gets you so hyped for the next thing, you know. The thing that I liked most about this vignette, it reminded me how good it was when they had all these, like, American, like, football jersey, baseball jersey style yeah. tops, like the Rock one, the Austin one, the yeah, DX one. I always wanted man. one as a kid, for sure. I wanted Love the DX one. I, I had a DX one. I won it on eBay really? when I was younger for a fuck ton of money and unsurprisingly sold for little money these days. Did you ever uh, randomly come across QVC when they'd have WF stuff? No. I don't know quite how I knew there was going to be like WF stuff on QVC. I wonder whether they advertised it on Raw or whether it was immediately after Raw or something. But I vividly remember trying to buy a DX Suck It t-shirt and they'd run out like no. immediately. We were like, okay, I'll have the Austin one then. <laughs> so the Austin 316, you know. I, don't, I wish I'd kept it. I don't know what happened to yeah. it. I had one of the very first like original WF Austin that I just whipped your ass sort of thing, you know. Anyway, so next match is Shane McMahon versus The Rock. Shane the Rock, en- <laughs> indeed. Shane enters to the "You Got No Chance, No Chance in Hell," which is just the coolest theme music ever. I think for these guys, yeah. you know. Uh, Rock ducks Shane's first wild punch. At least someone knows how to do it. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> begins to squash Shane how it should be and how it should be today let's face it yeah jr on commentary is like this is going to probably be one of the shortest match of the rock's career yeah so weird to think vince shane is now booked as one of the top guys in the business i heard he's the best in the world that's not trying to play against cm punk at all is it yeah who is also not the best in the world uh, that's dalton castle what you th- i would say dragon was the best in the world at that time dragon has always been best in the world sure i'd agree with that yeah, I've never seen him have a bad match. No. Yeah. Or a bad promo, even. The stuff he's doing at the moment is hilarious. I haven't seen it. The whodunit Who angle. Who watches WF nowadays? <laughs> WWE, sorry. The whodunit angle is so good. <laughs> oh, are they doing that again? Didn't yeah. they just do that with Champa? Well, Gargano and... Don't be... Don't start... racist talk- guy we're not allowed to talk about anymore. What, Matt Riddle? <laughs> no, don't call Matt Riddle racist. He's fine. <laughs> There's the big dude with the beard that like had the anxiety attack or some bullshit. Oh, big old racist Lars Sullivan. Yeah, him. Bigger, bigger boy. (laughs) 
He got beaten up by bigot boys. So the Green Witch Posse. <laughs> yeah. Green Witch Posse. Run in as Rock deals with them immediately. This is how to get someone over. He's not an idiot. It's yeah. so nice, refreshing, seeing a top face. There's not a fucking geek idiot that doesn't understand that you can't just walk in the ring where Brock Lesnar's standing there when you're fucking injured, you dumbass. <laughs> ah, booking. So rock bottom, do the people's elbow thing. Dun, 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 you know, with the fucking yeah. arms going back and forth. But Triple H jumps Rock from behind. Corporation Lot beat up the Rock a bit. Another match with no finish, for fuck's sake. Ah, oh, Russo booking. Um, yeah, but again, this is booked well. This little bit. Yeah, for a non-finish, you've got the anticipation. You've got the, oh, the Rock's going to overcome these odds. Oh, the odds are yeah. insurmountable. The, the gimmick of a non-wrestler... The son of the the owner of the company. With his mates who he grew up with. Exactly. Yeah. Being this obnoxious idiot, but who swings wildly at Rock. And Rock's like, um, I'm a professional wrestler. Fuck you. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think the thing as well that got this is because, uh, you know, whilst the internet was becoming, because obviously they were promoting .com and the internet was becoming a bit more yeah. prolific in the You've wrestling side the big .com on the Titan yeah. on the bottom and stuff, you know? The fact that some of the wrestling, like, marks and the wrestling nerds at the time, like you and I, would have known... If we're watching Raw at you know how we do now, it's like uh-huh. they're actually Shane's mates. Yeah. They're real life mates they who have never were. trained. Yeah. And then that would make people more pissed off. It's a case of why are these untrained people in a wrestling ring? Yeah, sure. But like the fact that they all get bashed around, but then when Rock's about to do the finish, we take it away from you yeah. to give you Triple H. And then you're already setting up your next opponent, your next yeah. storyline arc, because we know that we can't put Shane in a long standing feud because he's not a wrestler. What a good thing that twenty years later he didn't have a great Chinese DVD distribution that he went off to leave WWE for mm-hmm. for the first time. Old man Shane coming back and dominating all our top guys that are coming up, you know? Winning a tag team title. It's really upsetting me that the boss's son has won more title belts than I have in my career. Oh. <laughs> you should have seen it coming, really. I mean, I'm not going to lie, I haven't won a match. <laughs> <laughs> but then we get to why we're here. Oh, yes. To this Ministry of Darkness storyline. So Stephanie is dragged about backstage by the ministry, unveiling that she is in the building. Uh, Bearer has... Are you going to discuss what she is wearing and where she's being dragged about? We're getting there. She's in all black. She's wearing kind of a gothy, what girls I wanted to fuck in the late 90s were wearing, basically. It's not a fucking 2019. (laughs) Totally, man. Yeah. Hi, wife. I'm totally into goth girls, but anyway. So Bearer has a bedazzled book of some sorts, which I worked out says the Ministry of Darkness, but I think in some sort of pig Latin or something. Um, (laughs) Pig Latin. Yeah, like, you know, fake crap Latin or whatever. Uh, So they're on the way to ringside as we cut to adverts. But wait just one minute. We've got an Xbox Kane segment to deal with first. <laughs> like, oh, of course, for fuck's yeah. sake, lads. Get to the good bit. Well, he found him. There's only 15 minutes left at the end of the show. We're like, oh, we've got to squeeze this Xbox Kane bollocks first. So Owen and Double J are back again. For some reason in this feud as well, they jump Puck because they're Rudos. You know, Rudos. Puck's in the ring cut yeah. his promo. Um, Jarrett and Owen wait a lifetime for Kane to walk down the ring slowly. Um, they both take a pair of... They take a pair of... Kane gives them a choke slam each. Let's put it that way. Uh, Kane choke slams Puck, but then carries him to the back like he's some sort of prey that he's captured. I guess. Yeah. Again, more <sighs> more sexual activity. Yeah. I'll hurt you, and then I'll take you back to my it flat. Does feel a bit like that, doesn't it? The Jarrett Owen thing. You live it. here now. You eat this. I take cock. <laughs> you know, like I like it very much. <laughs> um, 
But the uh, the reason oh, that was great. Can't wait till we get to that. The was box. classy as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, this was again Jarrett and Owen going for the tag belts. This was the start oh, of this. Oh yeah. But I remember, yeah. And th- this was the last big storyline arc Owen was involved in, mm. really, before he then transitioned to Blue Blazer. Although we did see, we do see. Mm. In this, in this, uh, in this trilogy, a little bit of our friend the Blue Blazer, indeed. So don't worry, your regular programming will now commence uh, with the Ministry Taker music hits and like the strings, the Taker demonic laughing, the little yeah. quotes. It's like oh, it's so good. Like come to the dark side, Luke. <laughs> it's very much, you know. I love this presentation of Taker. So good. I prefer old school Taker. I hate biker gimmick Taker. I don't mind Later Taker, but this time period... This is the God. best presentation of him. It's so over. because He's the first time he's healed since like 92. Yeah. It's a long time. It's like six, seven years and since he's been think, a heel. As you said, like, Dead Man Untaken originally, spooky as you're a kid. Yeah. But... Original it, as well. Really yeah. different to anything else that was around. But in the, in the Attitude Era, where they're trying to be a little bit more realistic, the fact you've now got this giant goth boss who now believes he is the second coming of Saturn. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. Perry. <laughs> the bloke with horns. Yeah. Satan. Sure, sure. The Bob. <laughs> Bebob. <laughs> <laughs> no, isn't he Rocksteady's friend? <laughs> <laughs> it's so good though, man. Yeah, the, ev- everything about it. Even Paul Bearer. The, the whole presentation of the Ministry is top draw yeah with the dark hair again Paul Bearer yeah yeah just really really cool blonde bleach blonde peroxide Paul Bearer <laughs> really wasn't my favourite nah I remember hating it so it worked oh, yeah it's coming Kane's coming and all this sort of stuff you know he's send meat <laughs> <laughs> so Viscera Midian and the Acolytes carry out Stephanie all in black on uh well symbol not crucifix <laughs> on, the, on the not crucifix because ECW did the crucifix and they got in trouble for it and Kurt Angle didn't like it so we can't do that no but no. we could do everything else they did <laughs> and, and Raven sat trying to walk out of WCW at this time going what the fuck hey that's my shit hey that guy's godfather's wearing my Johnny Polo shirt what's going on <laughs> so take a cut to promo and goes let the ceremony begin as fans start to chart for Austin immediately Bearer grabs the mic and begins by going, Clear, dearly and beloved, we are gathered here today, making it very clear this is a forced wedding. Brilliant. Paul Bearer is the man. He just instantly, as soon as he starts talking, you're like, oh, we're going there now, are we? And the thing at this stage, like any soap opera or professional wrestling, it's a wedding. Mm. Something is going to happen, whether it be Test or Stephanie, Triple H or Stephanie, Matcha Man and Liz, because you know eventually he'll end up attacking her, or something else worse with Liz. Did that happen? Probably. Uh, I don't remember that, but anyway, it's a matter. I mean, so, I wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> Shamrock runs out with the ball bat, literally squashed by Viscera immediately. Uh, Shane holds back the corporation lads backstage by going, "If it gets really bad, then we'll go help." <laughs> His sister, who's being forcibly married to a fucking druid, dude. Like, I mean, it's not I, bad enough yet, lads. We'll just hang backstage. If someone was attacking my brother and about to marry it, I'd, I'd sit there and just look at it and go, this was pretty big. <laughs> <laughs> and also, is Paul Bearer really a licensed registrar? Can he yeah, do this, Joey? <laughs> fair point, fair point. So Big Show gets... um. Bloop, a big, big Show gets the best of most of the ministry lads, taking most of them out of the ring. But then Taker hits shows with the bat, show with the bat that Kenny left in the ring. That Russo bought. Yeah. D 
taking obviously we have to have a base build bat shot it's been through so yeah. you know but taking out big show at this point so we're left with paul bearer steph and taker in the ring bearer starts to say by the power vested in me by the lord of darkness i now pronounce you as the holy union of darkness you may now kiss the bride of light you fluffed that fucking line didn't you <laughs> <laughs> even at the bloody book there he could have just read it i know <laughs> really funny but as we're about to kick in glass smash austin rex falls all over the fucking building everyone takes an unprotected chair shot as steph bounces oh. around on the ropes you know on the sign thing because like people like uh the god window dude does a Midian, rope spot yeah. does, does a rope spot with austin and you can see steph going oh god oh no oh no i'm bouncing around <laughs> don't flick over backwards <laughs> yeah the unprotected chair shots are unnecessary but it's just what it, it was, was at this time. time you know like everyone was doing this is weekly yeah if not more than weekly because it's more than one show a week now isn't it which is why you suddenly think to yourself you know what because you've seen how much how little these guys have actually had to work yeah you're a bit like i don't want to be in the main event segment how guys like rocky mick foley shamrock austin can still hold conversations i mean it's impressive like Jer- um jericho yeah think about the abuse jericho has taken in his career and how amazingly good he is at kind of promo still you see the one that rings so badly is with that rock mankind chair shot yeah like the 15 in a row or whatever it was only meant to be five one it fucking frazzled his brain it was awful sure absolutely even at that time even even at in the 90s i was like oh i'm happy something was done about this it needed to be done you know i'm not happy blading's back let's be honest about it no blading has no no part in modern wrestling due to to what we know Let's but, just finish this. Yeah. So Austin unties Steph from the sign. Crucifix. Uh, Austin, uh, Shane, uh, blah, sorry. Steph hugs Austin. Austin does his best not to reciprocate. So like, I'm not touching the door, boss's door. <laughs> it's yeah. creepy. You're still struggling, not, struggling not to get a boner. <laughs> Moving his body to, to the, the side. side. <laughs> <laughs> Classic school disco styling. <laughs> Vince comes out to hug Steph in their reunion together. As he moved his hips to one side. <laughs> <laughs> and we are out of here that's the end of the show oh uh, we also had the the uh the little thing where vince looked at the looked at us and the man to finally catch on the camera and went thank you yeah the cameras don't quite catch it yeah. like it's weird like I, i'm you've seen vince do the same line four or five times sometimes yeah to make sure the cameras catch it just for those little vignettes and pre-match promos and such I think they need to redo this line a few times because yeah. they just cut away to Austin's reaction as he says it, but you do get it a little bit. You know? Well, it's a good thing, as you said, like he's, he does it a few times because on our next, to, on part two, yeah, we get to see it in the opening segments. So um, in terms of, I looked at a few shooting interviews around this time to see what people talked about most of them already, but mainly it's Pritchard, Bruce and um, Gangrel are the two promos I found. Yeah. There was lots of talk about how Taker absolutely loved the gimmick, thought it was really interesting, really wanted to do it. Yeah. A lot of other people hated it. Um, and the Bruce himself absolutely detested the whole gimmick, didn't like it at all. Very hokey. Yeah. Um, I remember as a kid absolutely adoring it. I think because, again, we're off of the same, like you said, like in the 90s, like me, goth girls, goth anything, Sure. Dark dark clothing, band tops, band hoodies. Oh, you're a Grebo. <laughs> I mean, Marilyn Manson was probably still on my playlist at this point, thinking about it. Is Marilyn Manson still on your playlist? Not so much nowadays. It's a shame. Uh, I was always more of a punk kid, generally, but then like 90s, Limp Biscuit, Corn, Deftones, yeah. you know, 
it all kind of just mm, it was there you know it was all part of this society and how people accepted pop culture and such. You know? This was the same time as you mentioned this. This is when WWE started having modern music on there. Because I remember yeah, like sure. the, Jeff Jarrett, um, J-A-F-J-A-R-R-E-T-T, um, when they had like the little promo before one of his matches, it was Sugar by System of a Down. And they had like the, the hand album really? in the bottom left-hand corner wow. and then they had the, the Sugar was the backing track to it. Nice, cool. Like, oh, very nice. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're starting to be more involved. But you think about how much money they're making per show. And how little work the guys are doing, and how much like drug problems they had backstage and yeah. such. Well, that's because you turn up to work, work a ten minute segment, and I'll pay a barrel load of money. Yeah, and spend all week doing house shows where nothing's going to happen really. Yeah, and just traveling around, waiting to the next big show really, where you get um, at least a, a segment or something. Yeah, and like the competitive nature of it at this time, it's. I'm going to be honest. Watching this back, I question why I liked it as a kid. Yeah, there's not much to latch onto nowadays. No, and I mean. Don't start looking at this in great detail, but if you you and I both said in wrestling we like match quality, but we also very much like storytelling. Yeah. If you go back and watch the Attitude Era, and I worry that because we've done this a lot about some of the shows from our youth, other than SummerSlam, which is still the greatest show ever. Sure. The greatest well, match. Yeah. Oh, that show is fucking incredible. It's the best show yeah. ever. Yeah, sure, sure. Um you go back and look at this now and you suddenly think to yourself, hmm. It wasn't as good as I remembered. It it was always must-see TV. Yeah. And whilst I really enjoy doing these trilogies and going back to some of the really exciting things, and again, don't get me wrong, the whole Austin pop when he came out and Undertaker fighting wearing his Druid outfit, that image is still very important to me. However, all the other trinkets and like the tassels around this show and all these other storylines, mm. you've got your main storyline, you've got your a couple of other little bits brewing, which is nice because everyone seems to be doing something. There's a storyline, there's interlinked stories throughout the show. None of them ever lead anywhere. This is the big thing that... I know we've got two more episodes to go, so let's not blow all our load here. But we know what's coming. It doesn't really logically make much sense. (laughs) (laughs) And this thing, everyone always waxes lyrical about, I really want it to be the Attitude Era again where everyone had everything to do. Yeah, but what we've just seen in the last two hours... Mm of watching Raw is that we've got nut shots, baseball bats, schmoz finishes, and rightly so, you want everything to build up to the actual action at the pay-per-view because that's where you pay to see it. Mm-hmm. But everyone criticises WWE storytelling now. Maybe we just all have this little warm, fuzzy nostalgia feeling from like the 90s where it was the thing we really grasped into and we were really interesting. It was our must-see thing. Mm by the end of this trilogy, I wonder if I'm going to think, actually, what's the attitude error all that? Sure. Um, Obviously it was. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure, man. I'm worried. There's, there's the big element of, it's very focused on soap opera drama. Yeah. Not necessarily narrative as such, like storytelling. But the big thing that's really missing from this show in particular, like completely judging it separately from the whole rest of the attitude era, whatever, is that there is absolutely bugger all in terms of like the sport of pro wrestling. Yeah. It's it's none of it is storytelling in the ring. No. You know, I think that's really missing from this time period. And the thing which I think is interesting on this aspect, the in-ring storytelling only comes at the end of the Ashton era when the radicals come across. Because then you actually have the radicals in Jericho that's when wrestling starts taking part in the middle of the ring. Because there's no denying Undertaker, Austin, Rock can tell stories in the ring. Yeah. 
but there was no actual sporting element of this song. They'd Not gone, on this show. They've gone for personalities and characters. You've still got Owen Hart knocking around as well, but he's yeah. marginalising the tag team with Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. There are no real workers. I think they've got workers. They're just not working. And exactly, and they're yeah. not featured in yeah. that way. And I think that it took until the 2000s for the WCW boys to jump across mm. that it actually became more of a sport. And we're going to see the sport element return on Fox. I think it has returned. I think I think you're underplaying it. I think if you look at the last five years of even Raw and SmackDown stuff, that granted, narrative-wise makes fuck all sense a lot of the time. But then, yeah. Doing ring work is an incredibly high caliber compared to what we were seeing back in yeah, 99. Yeah, people actually work three segments. Yeah. Because they can't tell, because, and this thing we've said before, what some of these guys in the Astrid era could do is they knew their characters. So even the stuff that they were talking about, we look at it now as a bit schmozzy, it fitted their characters what they were doing. And to think this Raw was probably booked by two, maybe three people sitting in a room, putting it all together and then just working it out on the night because you have to negotiate with people there yeah. and then, I'm sure. Especially things like the Jeff Jarrett non-title then becoming a title match with the Godfather and yeah. stuff. That's obviously been worked out backstage and Jarrett going, but what if he says it's non-title then I've got a purpose to do this and that means Deborah can go be one of his hoes that means Owen can come out and like we all yeah. have purpose, you know what I mean? And it's Vince Russo on the fly booking and Vince going, okay, just go fucking do it. So like um, yeah. McMahon doing it. Um, but is this a good thing? In that if there isn't solid matches on your TV week to week, then does that make the pay-per-views more valuable? Yes. I think that was, that was the main thing, wasn't it? Because we said earlier in the pod, that you end up with the half hour, like 15, 20 minute matches on the main pay-per-view shows that you're paying to get the payoff of these storylines yeah but now because you get that quality of action every week and so much of it because i think if you think you know if you look at the modern products which i know we don't watch as regularly as we used to mainly due to parenting and we want to watch other things and we've got much more um content available to us from different promotions it's also like 17 hours of wrestling a week yeah easily available from just wwe so. but if you but that's the thing if you look at wwe and as you said the in-ring capabilities of the roster is the best they've ever had yeah but you're never going to get anything different because all these wrestlers go out there because they want to prove they can work. So when you get to a pay-per-view, mm. you're like, oh, brilliant. Ricochet's doing all the shit he does on Raw on a pay-per-view. So sure, it's not special. Sure. I get that. And yeah, we do, we're not playing in a pay-per-view market now. We're playing in a subscription module and we want content to make it so we can say we've got 100,000 hours. We've got 200,000 hours of unique programming. But then I think to myself as a wrestling fan, while I like storytelling as I look back at the Attitude Era and I go, ooh, the storytelling wasn't great. The in-ring work wasn't there. Mm, I think some of it was good. I think judging the whole Attitude Era off this one rule oh, no. is a bit... Yeah, no. no. And you, know, you look at other things from that time, like Rock throwing the belt over the bridge and then throwing the really bad dummy of Austin over the, into the river sure, yeah. after the smoking skull belt. Things like that are iconic. The, the long-term stuff is really, really solid as well. Yeah. This Undertaker is a bad guy. Yeah. And he stays a bad guy for quite a long time now. This whole run from the ministry starting in late 98 all the way through to late 99. So you had a, basically a one-year story arc, which, as you said, we've got three people booking it. It's a case of, we need to take the Undertaker and modernize him. We need him as a heel because we don't have any strong big guy heels at the moment. Yeah. Here's where we want him to get to. 
here's where we are now. What do we do in between? And what can we interlink with what we want to do with Austin and Rock? I definitely think they've got to the point where they were like, well, we're kind of bored with Undertaker's dead man gimmick. Like, yeah. where else can we go with that? And so I think this was the right progression to make. Yeah, definitely. So in terms of this show, like, how would you rate the general show in terms of like our usual rating system? I would go a... What, taking the Stelder out of it? You can rate it however you want, mate. I know it, it, it's literally right It's right in the middle for me. Okay. I know we don't do half cornflakes. So it's How dare you, sir? I know. <laughs> so it's a two or three cornflake show for me. I'd say it's about a two in that if it had one decent wrestling match, it'd probably be like a three. Yeah. But like you're getting into where it's going. I, I didn't... I loved starting to watch it. I found it a slog by the end. A lot, a, shame. a lot of the, the stuff in the middle was pointless, as you said. And the, you became very much a parent of, Jesus, there are a lot of backstage segments. Sure. But the iconic moments that come from this oh. make it worth it. That's where yeah. it gets the one extra star for me almost, you know? Yeah. The, the, the progression of the storyline on the night and the progression of oh, Vince has Austin's helped Vince. What does this mean? Undertaker's going to be pissed because, you know, Stephanie's escaped and he's going to have to go back home to Sarah. Sure. I mean, <laughs> what? <laughs> In terms of just purely the Ministry of Darkness, how would you rate it out of five conflicts on this show? How did they perform? How did they progress the storyline? Five. Yeah? Five. <laughs> purely a five. <laughs> because, well, because from start to finish, they said they did the job. They got the sure. heel reaction yeah. that Austin needs. Even Stephanie being untied and the hug got a pop. Yeah. So the fact that everything they did, viscera flattening Shamrock, That's five. brilliant, yeah. They're, they're fully heel. Yeah. Absolutely they're, fully There's stuff with the brood going on. It's kind yeah. of interesting. They're in, then they're out, and they're feuding, but not feuding. And, and the good thing about these guys is there's nothing cool about them. They're mm. baddies. They are you are baddies. designed to hate them. You can't suddenly go, now you... <sighs> well, Taker got quite a pop. Yeah. When, uh, when the when the ministry come out, it's all like... Ooh. But then Taker comes out and everyone's like... Ooh. <laughs> hey, but that's a case of wow, as opposed to... Yay! It's yeah, the baddie! Sure. They're in awe of his appearance, yeah. which is how they cast him really well. And I said, this is, presentation-wise, my favourite version of The Undertaker. Okay, cool. But what I've said, we've got other stuff to talk about that I'm taking over the next two shows, so we don't want to blow it all now. One last thing for this trilogy. I'm thinking about doing this every trilogy show, by the way. Okay. How is your cornet meter on this show? My cornet meter? Yeah. We're a bit middle of the rows. Mine peaked a little bit. The unprotected... Beaver cleavage was just like, oh, this is bad. That was funny. Yeah. Uh, The unprotected chair shots bothered me. Barely any clean finishes. Is there any? Is there a pinfall or submission on this show? I don't think there is without there, any bullshit. No. There isn't, is there? Maybe the opening X-Pac brood match because Christian doesn't get involved because he's got blue dot over his face. But you get the whole bullshit afterwards. You get, uh, Yeah, but you've got, you've got the clean finish. I guess there is kind of a clean finish there, isn't there? Yeah. And then progression the storyline, the brood of uh, bloodbath people who they're not going to feud with because Jeff and Owen are going after him. <laughs> so weird isn't it they're just like ah fuck that storyline I like Jeff Jarrett please put him on the show please Russo oh. loves a bit of Jarrett doesn't he yeah because Jerry Jarrett's been like <laughs> you can come around TNA for me one day boy <laughs> alright cool man it's been a pleasure I really enjoyed watching this back to be fair like I'm looking forward to seeing what this first Smackdown's like and seeing how this story all ends because I know but I haven't watched it in such a long time 
It's been I, a good laugh. I'm just going to throw this out there so you're not disappointed. And if anyone wants to watch this on the network, it is the first uh, SmackDown, so it's going to be April 27th, I think, uh, 1999. I'll double-check where you go that. Um, but don't be disappointed. You do not get the big hand. The big fist coming through. don't through. get the big oh, fist. Oh, that's a shame. But you do get the classic SmackDown entrance, uh, like intro music. So okay, it's nice. worth watching that alone. <laughs> that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, Jim sure. Johnson basically said, I've written all these other wrestling <laughs> things. Let's just press this like demo button on my keyboard and see what happens. Speed it up 20 fold. Yeah, see yeah, what happens. Yeah, 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 sure. So uh, it was filmed 27th of April 1999, but it was broadcast 29th of yeah. April 1999. So go watch that in preparation for next week and we will see you then. Yeah! com is the best place to find all our shit. Uh, World of Rest Pod on Twitter if you want to get in contact. We'd love to know what you think about this show. We'll probably put like a ratings up to see what other people think, maybe. Yeah. Or maybe we should do that for modern stuff because people maybe don't go back and watch all these old shows. Yeah, maybe we'll, well, we'll see. We'll see, yeah, how, sure. we'll see how bored I get this evening when my daughter wakes me up and I've got lots to do in the early hours of the morning. <laughs> What's your social media, man? At the Tex Williams on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Excellent. Mine's Fanboy Rich on uh, those things, but not Facebook. So there we go. Right. Thank you, everybody. We'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye-bye.